Annyeong SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. How's everyone tonight? Pretty great, actually. <laughs> really? Good. I'm glad. To- <laughs> great is awesome. I wish I was great. I'm okay. I have a cold again. Again. Gosh, children. It's going to be another one, which by the end of the night, you're like, Oof, like trying to like, I'm inhale. already doing it. Like, so just don't mind me, everybody. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I wanted to have a drink tonight, but instead I am pounding the Maxim coffee like I'm IU in my mister. So <laughs> like you're IU in my mister. Yeah, I, I just need to be well, facing a wall where nobody can see me. <laughs> and you got a double, double. Yes, double, double packet. Maxim. Yeah. And yeah. it has to be the same cup. I am drinking because, you know, reasons we're going to get into soon. And also, I want to lift a toast in Irish wake because Megan's family has sustained a loss on the weekend. (laughs) Thank you. Clink. (laughs) Our hamster died this weekend. And what? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) her name was Lucy. And just, you know, that was that spelled L-O-O-S-E-E. My daughter named her like her morals like her hamster morals (laughs) yeah and (laughs) loosey goosey with those hamster morals so we knew it was coming because the hamster was really old and just we knew it was coming but still she died on friday night and i'm really so i i'd had a lot of beer on friday so my parents were over we were like all drinking and that's when we found the hamster and i was like really glad i didn't have to deal with it sober because i kind of like knew the whole time it was coming but, you know, obviously my daughter was upset. We had to go outside and bury the hamster. So you drunk buried the hamster. We drunk, drunk buried. buried the hamster. We, like, said a few words with standing over the shovel. So this is the second hamster we buried, okay? The first hamster we buried, I got it for my daughter, like, two days before Christmas in 2019. So that hamster's name was Oreo. So it was, like, her Christmas gift, okay? So I got it, like, two days before Christmas, the Christmas Eve. Oh. So, so we had it for two days. Christmas Eve, it took a turn for the worst. <laughs> no. And I, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me because it's freaking Christmas Eve. And this was like her Christmas gift. Was It was like a big deal. Like my son got a lizard. Hazel got this hamster and this thing was like not making it. So my daughter went to bed and I was like, I'll get her through the night. Well, I didn't promise, but I was like, I'll, I'll do what I can, Hazel. Like what? Like resuscitate it? No, listen, I do you have little paddles. <laughs> I wrapped it in a blanket and I gave it a syringe of sugar water for <laughs> hours. <laughs> I would like pump its little chest. I'm like, can you please just not die? She's tonight? forest feeding this hamster that just Seriously. wants to go into the light. It just- it just wants to cross the rainbow bridge and i'm like not letting you're grabbing its tail and pulling it backwards seriously i'm like please don't die please don't die and then of course the damn thing just it's like midnight on christmas eve and it just expires Uh i am like this is horrible i'm like maybe 
she'll wake up and sort of forget. <laughs> or could you put in like little googly eyes? <laughs> she woke up and she was just like, how's Oreo? And I was like, um, he died. Yeah, and of course, she- <laughs> <laughs> so of course she like loses her shit. And I know, and I feel so bad. And and then my son starts crying. It's a mess. Worst Christmas ever. And then she was like, and I'm like, what will make you feel better? Like, what can we do? And she's like, I want to bury it. So I'm like, okay. So we're all wearing like Christmas PJs. It's like 30 degrees outside. My husband goes and gets the shovel from the shed. And I wish wish you could like list, like hear, because he's just like, shh. Shuffling, and it's just like the sound of the shovel hitting the rock on like Christmas morning. It's like ringing out through the neighborhood. The frozen earth. Like, <laughs> instead of like church bells, it's just Neil slamming a shovel into the ground. <laughs> As the kids are like, ah! oh my god! So we put like Lucy in the hole, and he puts and he puts the dirt back on, and then he like slams the shovel on the dirt and like i said it's just like ringing out through the neighborhood that we're like burying something on christmas morning it was so traumatic and, and then you're um, like let's get another one let's do yeah, this again then, let's do this yeah let's so, do it again well no so i was like I, honestly if i never saw another hamster in my life i would have been happy but of course my daughter after the traumatic death of oreo that she had for four days she wanted so we, we went and got another hamster on December 26th. (laughs) So it lived two and a half years, which for a little dwarf hamster. So that's Lucy. That's Lucy. So Lucy did live for as long as I think she was supposed to live. She was a good little hamster. She kept her, she kept Hazel company during quarantine. So, you know, yeah, let's pour one out. She served her purpose. Shine on, you crazy diamond. Pour one out for for Lucy. Lucy going over the bridge. Thank you for living, unlike Oreo. You were able asshole. to go in peace. You were able to go in peace. And that force-fed sugar water. <laughs> so Non-consensual horrible. sugar water. Oreo's <laughs> like, I have a do not resuscitate order. <laughs> You're not respecting my DNR. <laughs> Okay. Well, <laughs> not a segue t- that I'm just picturing the tiny paddles <laughs> clear. <laughs> tiny. I can't. I'm <laughs> <laughs> He's still down. He's still down. <laughs> oh my god! Look, okay, we love our pets. Us. We love our yeah. pets. Yeah. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. Actually, okay. You no, don't. I'm... We do. My 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 dog tried to kill me last week. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I, your dog did. did. Actually, did. that's valid. That's valid. Look, that's my oh. arm still. So I was crossing a road. <laughs> and wait, I was, Leah, was it was it because you were taking a shortcut? So, were you trying to get to the other side? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll, I'll make it wave. I'll t- I'm going to tell the whole thing now. <laughs> I was walking the dog. And yes, I walked it to its spot, its overlook. And I was like, I could continue going the long way around. But I got shit to do. So I'm going home. (laughs) So I turned around and I walked back and I was crossing the road by my house and I was looking at traffic because it's not like a very safe spot to cross, but there's no crosswalk there. And so as I was looking, 
our neighbor's cat like jumped onto our street. So it was kind of like, you know, we were crossing the street to get onto our street. So my dog spots this cat that like it wants to kill, takes off at a full just like launch. And this is like an 80 to 90 pound dog. I'm looking at traffic, not paying any attention. He yanks me off my feet, drags me across the road, across the asphalt. Cars are slamming to a stop. All I hear is just cars like, I get dragged. Like, I don't even know. Like, I go unconscious, I think. (laughs) I was, I was in it hurt. Like, my body hurt. She blacked out for me. And I stand up really fast because you do when, like, you're having, like, one of those, like, physical reactions. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm still holding the leash. (laughs) And people are getting out of their cars. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't even, like, embarrassed. I was so, like, stunned. And then, like, people drive on. And then there's, like, a college student that's still there that's like, no, really. Are you okay? like he was walking to the bus stop and I'm like no yeah yeah I'm fine my dog like whatever and I like look at better I'm like no and then the dog's like blah blah like wagging its tail like doesn't feel bad at all so I like limp home like all completely rattled my neighbor's standing in his driveway and he's like well that didn't sound good and I'm like no it didn't really and I'm like trying to like pull up my pants to like look at my blood that's like all over my leg and then some other neighbors come by like are you okay like we heard from someone else what happened so like people are like gathering outside to like see if I'm okay anyway my husband comes home and I like tell him what happens and he's like his first, his first comment is, well, why were you crossing there? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, were you taking a shortcut back home and not doing the full walk? I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. Like, I am talking about the blood on my body and the rash burns and how I, like, almost died and I could have been run over. And he's like, well, I'm just asking. I mean, I just asked the question. I was just like, No. So that I'm still pissed. Now I'm pissed again. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck the dog. <laughs> Fuck them all. Fuck them all. And and Oreo. And Oreo. <laughs> Oreo Oreo. That's what I'm living for four days. <laughs> and you know what else is a fuck you? Oh my god. The sound of magic. <laughs> Which is the podcast we're talking about tonight. And I do want to say I am aware some people like this. And I'm not sure if we've made some time, but before we go, we do need to acknowledge some folks because we had some people writing in on like the Patreon who really were touched by this. And so I am not denigrating. Like if this meant something to you in a positive way, again, like I don't want to yuck that yum for you. And look, Megan and Amy, you might have enjoyed it to some degree. I fucking hated it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I did not have that kind of a visceral reaction to it by any means. So this will be a fun one. I feel like I had more confusion than anything. Yes. But I'm, I, I feel like I might have come down a little harsh, though, I realized as I was, like, typing up my answers. But it's okay. We'll get into it. All right? We'll, we'll see how it all shakes out as we talk about it. I mean, I, I would trade places with Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> Leah's like, I would rather be forced sugar water for six hours. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, let's take it away. The Sound of Magic is a 2022 Netflix musical fantasy starring Ji Chang Wook, Choi Sung Un, and Huang In Yup. It's directed by Kim Song Yun of Itaewon Class and Love in the Moonlight. What is this drama? Well, it's a lot. A fantasy, a musical, a coming of age, a romance, and a mystery. 
a high school student tasked with raising her younger sister after her parents all but abandoned them, meets a strange man in a rundown amusement park who asks her, do you believe in magic? What ensues is music, some choreographed dance sequences, and a drama that starts off sort of light and then takes a surprising dark turn. Ji Chang-wook looks great in a cape and top hat in his role as an eccentric Peter Pan-esque magician. The visuals are stunning, uh, and but there is some surprising darkness to some of the subject matter. Was it successful? <laughs> we'll discuss. <laughs> Let's get into it. So first off, we're going to discuss this without spoilers, which is kind of hard. It's only six episodes, but um, I think we have a little bit to talk about without, you know, really giving anything away. I do want to read a comment that we got on Patreon because I thought this comment was hysterical. Actually, we all did. And maybe it'll give you an idea of <laughs> the confusion, I guess, uh, that many viewers uh, felt. So this is um, from Hannah on our Patreon. And she says, quote, what on earth is Sound of Magic? I've watched three episodes and I cannot tell if it's a coming of age or delusional or romance or tetanus accident waiting to happen. Guess I'll finish it so that I can find out. One of the charms of K-drama is that they don't feel limited by genre, but I would prefer to watch this show without the lingering concern that everything is going to be murdered by a cut-rate magician and or urban neglect. Thank you, Hannah, because I kind of did sum it up. So It really does. Yeah. So first of all, how would you explain this drama to a viewer who hasn't seen it and you have any comps? I mean, I, I think the best thing that we were kind of agreeing on early on is that it's like a mashup of Peter Pan and Willy Wonka. But I would add a dash of murder and choking and maybe a <laughs> sprinkle of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle as a musical. <laughs> That's that, a pretty good comp, yeah. <laughs> Does that help y'all, like, want to watch it? <laughs> I'm going to say that it would be like, pretend we never as a society learned that following a childlike man into his creepy amusement park lair is potentially a bad thing. <laughs> and my comps are probably Return to Oz or Grease 2, because I hate them both. <laughs> God. The Grease 2 slander. I mean, it wasn't good, so you're right. It wasn't good, but it was also awesome. No. I mean... No, not no. in a good... It's it's so bad that it's good. Right. And yeah. it's way less rapey than the first Grease, so... That's that's accurate. I apparently like my Dubcon. <laughs> so, anyway, to me, this was like Willy Wonka meets Peter Pan. So, I'm really not sure what else without giving spoilers right now. So, related to the above question, who do you think this drama is for? I mean, any fans of Ji Chang Wook who also like to finish a drama and say, what the actual fuck did I just watch? And for me, I'm going with anyone who thinks suicidal ideation might be a sad but necessary tool to fight the system. It's not funny. It's sense. not funny, but it's... <clears throat> it's not funny. No, I mean... No, but it's not funny. Gallows like, humor is the only way I can cope. Right. It's it's accurate. That's the problem, is that it's accurate. So, I mean, I don't know. I actually thought um, I saw that it's a little bit po- more popular with maybe, like, a younger demographic. But I don't think it should be. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I don't I think, think it should be either. I think the message that is they're trying to tell is not 
good for a younger demographic. I don't know. It was hard for me as an adult and a mom to watch this and not really be squicked out by a high school girl like wandering into an abandoned amusement park and befriending a slightly infantile homeless magician. There was just too much of like a creep factor for me. I I expected like this Disney-esque musical fantasy about like magic. (laughs) And I got kind of like a depressing story about a man who's emotionally stunted and influenced teenagers to make maybe bad choices. Maybe. Is that too much of a spoiler? No. No, I don't think so. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I, I, so I think the one thing that we do need to point out is that this is not an original story. It's based on a webtoon. And I I was going to try and read the entire webtoon before tonight, but I had some surprise. I had some home stuff going on that I had to deal with this week. Um, so I didn't get to finish it, but I did read some of it, and it tracked like pretty well with the drama so yeah, far. Yeah, it's called Anna, it was the magic word they used. Anara, Anna, Anara uh, Sumanara. Sumanara. Anara Sumanara. Which basically means loosely all will be well. I thought it was like abracadabra, like because it sounds like abracadabra. <laughs> I read that it was meant to be something along the lines of all will be well. Okay. So I'm cool. not sure. Being not able to speak any Korean, I'm, you know, really not going to be the authority there. I did hear that it tracked very closely to the webtoon. I did hear that. So let's talk about the music. Did you like it? And did you think like the vibe of the music fit the drama? In the beginning, I was digging it because that's my kind of thing. Like, you know, kind of like what you said, like it felt like it was going to sort of be Disney-esque or even like kind of Tim Burton-esque where like music fits in that. You know, it made me think of, you know, like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Like you can have creepy and you can have music. So at first I liked it. And at first I thought that the vibe kind of like I, I thought that it kind of gelled together. But as the story got darker, it seemed weirder and weirder for this story to then like burst out into song and dance. But at first, I, at first, I really did like it, and I do. I mean, it does not bother me to see Ji Cheng Wook in a top hat and a long coat singing and dancing. It doesn't. So, yeah, in the beginning, it was really working for me, and as we got closer to the end, I was more invested in how dark the story was that all of a sudden when it would turn into like a song and dance, I was like, this is not within the tone anymore. Um, For me, look hard pass on the music (laughs) and I like a musical, like, don't get me wrong. Musicals, you know, I'm not as into musicals as you are, Amy, but you know, I'm not going to kick a musical out of bed. And I love, (laughs) you know, sound of music is my, like one of my all time favorite movies, which I do not like at all. So there, I love it. But sound of magic. (laughs) No. Um, And I feel like for me, look, I'm already hating on everything else. And so when they put in the songs, I was just hating it even more. Like I felt like it was trying to make magic out of a carnival corn dog left on a sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I know, I'm I it's I fine. mean, look, I want people to still feel okay about liking it. And I know they will. Like I'm sure they're like at home like, fuck you, Leah. You just don't have magic in your heart. And that may be true. <laughs> but we'll continue. It's just like, look, I just Right. My time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, like, and I'm never going to kick a musical out of bed, but I do think that there ne- needs to be like a tonal match between the story and the music. And I didn't think the songs were that good. But anyway, Megan, I see you're going to get there. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I so I will say this. I was surprised by like the opening numbers. This isn't a spoiler because like there's like a song and dance 
right away. It's like one of the first things. And I was actually kind of like into it. I was like, okay, like, I don't mind this song. I like the dance. And I, I thought we were going to get kind of more like a mysterious type of magical vibe. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then it, and but then it kind of turned like sad, but not in like a Disney way and like a depressing way it just was hard it's hard for me to say and i would say after that opening number the music was pretty forgettable to me like i thought they were almost sort of all the same tempo they you know nothing really stuck out to me and i didn't really feel like they had like hooks like there was no like let it go like i wanted like kind of like a fun hook or something you know I would say on a positive note that I did think the music was used to advance character growth, as in, I don't think I could skip the musical numbers as they really did contain like character decisions and things like that. So I appreciated that at least, at least the music didn't feel like tacked on, if that makes sense. Yeah, I do agree that the first number was fun and it made it feel almost high school musical-ish to me, but not as like fluffy. You know, like it, like right. it, like it was going to be an edge to it. Right, it was going to be like that, but with like a little. And don't get me wrong, I love all the High School Musicals. Okay, I'm not like dissing Disney here, but it made it feel like it was going to be like that, but like a little bit more substance kind of thing. And then it got, I and totally then it got super dark. Yeah, and then it got super dark. Yeah. But I feel like the songs didn't then begin to like match the tone. No, like they, they were still didn't. like you know, oh, I don't want to grow up and I love magic. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? Like, there's like murders happening. Like a girl's, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get the spoilers, but you know what I'm saying. All right. Well, now we are on to our favorite part of every episode, uh, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. So Megan, what do you got for us? Uh, I am so, so excited to wreck this song. It is by TXT, Tomorrow X Together. It's called Good Boy Gone Bad. If you want to talk about a song with a hook, <laughs> it's this. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. I feel like the group members fit the concept so well. I just love everything about it. I can't stop watching the music video, the live performances. The boys really, really put on a good show. So definitely check it out. It's called Good Boy Gone Bad, and it's by TXT. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Okay, so now we're going to get into the spoiler section, which is going to make it much easier to talk about. <laughs>
because we need to say some things like yeah again it's only six episodes so like if you haven't seen yet and you want to want to peace out now go ahead and come back and see if you agree with us or disagree with us so a little bit more um, about the drama. Ji Chang-wook plays Ri-ol, or Ri Min-hyuk, an eccentric musician living in an abandoned theme park creatively titled Magic Land. We later learn that as a teen, he became essentially too overwhelmed with the pressures of school. He jumped off a roof, seriously, and then basically removed himself from society to live as a magician. He was hospitalized for some time in a mental hospital until retreating to the abandoned amusement park. I'm, I'm obviously completely simplifying his story. If you've seen it, you know, it, you know, there's more in, in, in depth to it. But what was your reaction to his performance and his character? So one of the things that you and I were talking about as we were watching it, Megan, is that I don't think we would have been as like sucked into this if it wasn't Ji Chang Wook playing Riol, like no one could have pulled it off other than him, I don't think. Like there's just like he was magnetic, deliciously good looking, broken, weird, and weirdly sexy as fuck with that shaggy haircut and a top hat. But his character was disturbing. But I thought that he played it in such a way that I wasn't creeped out by him until he choked Hana. And I will be a broken fucking record until the end of this podcast about the choking never being discussed in the drama. Just totally forgotten. Yeah. Just letting this grown man choke a choke high school girl. Yep. Yeah. So I will say the first time he came on screen, like, I mean, the first time there, there's like a couple like backlit shots of him in like the opening dance sequence. So you only really see his like shadow. And I would say the first time like he came on screen with like full light, I did almost give a little gasp because he really... He's Ji Chang Wook. Yeah. He's like magnetic. He's charismatic. I truly think that if it was a different actor, I would have stopped watching because it was like just so it just started to get like really weird. But I couldn't take my I, I almost feel like I couldn't abandon my Ji Chang Wook. And that's why I, I kept watching. I think my issue is that I just I didn't like where the story took took his character. I, I think for what he was given, he played the part really well. I remember in the first few episodes, I started to get these like little hints that uh, his emotions were sort of like stunted. Like he did sort of react in a semi-childlike or immature manner in like, kind of the way he like made jokes or laughed or just, just reacted to, to, to the, the female lead. And I was kind of like, okay, maybe he's just eccentric. But then when I realized where they were taking his character, I was I was just uncomfortable with it. You know, I just and I understand that that's the story. That's the story. And, and, and maybe other people really felt super sympathetic to him. I get it. But like, I, I really, truly, by the time we got to the end, I was like, why isn't this man in an adult services program? Like, he shouldn't be living on his own. He choked a high school girl. He's, like, inviting people to this derelict building. How is it legal for him to squat? Like, he's yeah, a squatter. Is he, where is he? Where is he? How is he eating? How is he buying his top hat? Like, there's just so many things. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's. Yeah. Okay. Where does he get the money for the top hat? That's what we really need to know. I started to get, like, concerned for him. I was like, why is no one taking care of him? Where are his parents? Like, 
He's not okay. And so, I, I don't know. I guess the way the drama made this, like, very damaged man out to be this, like, hero who went against society's standards was just weird to me. I almost, I, I honestly, by the end, I was like, I just want him to be a serial killer. I just want him to be, like, a straight up, like, adult serial killer instead of this, like, sad, you yeah, know what so I mean, man. This is where I feel like I just didn't understand the intent of what the drama wanted in a way that, like, so if you connect with the drama, you're going to connect with the premise that the drama was selling you. I did not. And so, you know, for a lot of it, I was just kind of like, I don't know what the F is happening. Like, you know, they jump on their, like, carousel and they fly around. And, you know, there's, like, a fantastical element. And I was kind of like, I don't know what's up. I'm not loving it. But, like, whatever. Like, it's it's fine. Like, I'm curious enough as to, like, what the mystery is all about. Ji Chang Wook is attractive. Fine. Yes. <laughs> like, he looks good. But, yeah. I mean, like... I thought he was really boring. I just didn't think the character was very interesting. I didn't think it was very multidimensional at all. So I was just never like captivated or interested in the whole like, do you believe in magic? I was just kind of like, okay, well, like, when are we going to like unpack some like character development? I'm kind of curious. And then in the end to have it all be essentially this like, yeah, this like premise of like, he is this like ultimate Peter Pan, although he has a sustained serious brain injury from his suicide attempt. And he now, like, yeah, connects with young people to apparently try to give them the freedom to explore new options, which makes sense to some degree. Although he's also then targeting Agi to, you know, who has no one. And then there's also, like, scenes where he's with, like, all the, like, the really little kids doing mag magical tricks with them. Like, did and, their like, parents bring them there and drop them off for a magic show like that? Or was he just collecting them through the neighborhood? I don't know. And I mean, like, look, it's a show. I'm not going to, like, split hairs. Like, how did he eat? Why was he living there? Why did no one kick him out? I mean, yes, that's all, like, fun to kind of be like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But at the same time, the core premise is essentially that we're, like, taking somebody who was broken by the system of expectations and pressure, like, given to him by society, by his parents, and by his school system, and saying that after his suicide attempt, he apparently found peace and comfort in connecting into magic and then inspires others to do the same. That just didn't work for me. It didn't feel like a thought out, like connect the dots premise. I felt like in the end, it glorified his attempt at taking his life, even down to the point where we see like the magical butterflies that kind of symbolize magic, like gathering on his shoulders before he jumps. And I just wasn't charmed by it at all. I was just like, this feels toxic and sketchy. So I don't know. I mean, like, I think, did Ji Chang Wook play the part well? I guess. I just didn't think it was, A, an interestingly developed character. I don't think it had much nuance. And in the end, I thought it was just kind of, like, dangerous. But I mean, like, whatever. I'm also, like, into, like, you know, free speech and people can watch whatever they want to watch. I don't want to get too, like, policing of content either. Well, no, I mean, I think that's okay. Like, I, I, if you don't buy into the premise, you don't buy into the premise. And I do think that that was, in the end, a problem for me as well. I, I really do think that that was... I, I was personally compelled to keep watching, and Amy was too. I did find him compelling, and I did want to see where the story was going. And so I was watching it with conflicted feelings. I wasn't like, oh, I'm gung-ho. But I was I was eager to see how it how it would end. It's just that it got to the end, and I was like, wait a minute. 
that's not the premise that I thought it would be. And 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 that's okay. Like, I, I actually love when dramas kind of, like, turn themselves on their head. And I'm surprised. But this was, I felt like this was a premise that, like, I didn't sign up for and I don't want to sign up for. Yeah, I, <laughs> that I felt like sense. it was kind of, to me, it felt like kind of a cheap premise, like a cheap emotional premise, I guess. And I think some of it had to do with the fact that we never, ever, ever see the main, you know, magician who's like the enigmatic, you know, tortured soul. We never see him have any kind of personal reflection or reckoning. He always stays at such a distance. And since he Mm -hmm. stays at such a distance, I just never connected into him or his story. And in the end, I ultimately just like judged it for that. Whereas maybe if like there'd been some time where he kind of told that story, the fact that we brought in like the pregnant friend to give like the 11th hour exposition of like what really happened to him and why he's the way he is. I don't know. I never love that in any kind of fiction. Deus ex machina. Yeah. Where they come in and they're like, here we are. This right. Is here's why, this why everything happened. happened. Yeah. And look, you I know what? Re- that's a good point too, because the cops, then the cops told the rest they of it. They did. Yeah. So like he never came, he never, and that's, I think that's part of the problem too. There was never a reckoning. There was never like, never an acknowledgement because I don't think he had the brain capacity to acknowledge that this, do you know what because I'm saying? Because if she had confronted him and you see him have this like moment where like the magic is starting to fail and he's fumbling and he's like, I would have been way more invested yeah, right. What we like got. he didn't really have an arc. Like if the point was yeah. that you should be able to find your own path, even if it doesn't mean that you're like a respected, like uber rich, you know, adult or whatever, that if you find your own path, as long as it makes you happy, that that's okay. But like, you never got to see him achieve that. Like he's not a happy person. He is right. a lonely, <laughs> stunted man living with a parrot. Well, who died? Yeah, who, who dies like Lucy? Right. Who's buried now like Lucy and Oreo? Okay. Well, I mean, maybe he should have given it a sugar syringe. I didn't see one there. Yeah. So I think that it really like that's what cheapened it to me towards the end was like I was like you know if I could have hung in and kind of been like whatever I'm not loving this but like if they had kind of like connected the dots enough at the end I would have been like okay it's not my favorite but like I get it. Whereas in this case, I felt like we let everyone else speak for the central person right. whose philosophy was meant to be the grounding force of the whole thing. That's a very good point. Actually, yeah. I, I knew I kind of had an issue, but I feel like this conversation helped me deepen why. Yeah. You know? And it makes me think of the end of Willy Wonka, the earlier one, the one with Gene Wilder. Throughout that movie, he is this enigmatic character and you don't get him at all. But in mm-hmm. the end, you see him as him and you see mm-hmm. him as a genuine person who had a goal and he figured, you know, he achieved that goal and Charlie was the means to that end, you know, of like, you know, this this honest, good hearted person who could take over the factory kind of thing um, and who deserved it. In this, we have this, you know, tortured guy who's been tortured ever since he was a teen and hasn't grown since then. And so what we're missing is that connection of you know, the path I chose was the right path and you should take it too. And we don't get to see that, yet she does take it and becomes a magician. I mean, like a legit magician, right? Like she's, you know, working at, was it like a restaurant type thing? But Mm -hmm. like still, sure, find your own path, that's great. But it shouldn't take following, you know, a magical butterfly jumping off a building to do it. Yeah, and I felt like they just, in the end, it was meant to be this, like, very empowering, kind of, like, lovely, like, live your dream and don't let the world come and, like, take that magic from you. And I was just, had such little, it killed, like, any magic I had. (laughs) Because, like, there is, 
This, the sound of magic ripped all of the magic that was left in my heart. It was like the sound, like if magic sounded in the woods and no one was there to hear it. (laughs) Did it make, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I just, I didn't like it. (laughs) Okay. Well, we 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 touched on her, but the female lead Yoon Ai, played by Choi Sung Un, ultimately decides to trust Real, despite hearing about his questionable past and possible crimes like murder. So, what did you think about this choice in real life versus in a K drama? Okay, I have a sixteen-year-old daughter, so like, no fucking way. <laughs> like, I lose my shit if my daughter was like, "So, mom, I met this like weird magician dude who lives beneath the stage." <laughs> At an abandoned amusement park? Is it okay if I hang out there? Like, no. Like, no way in real life do you trust a magician who lives in an abandoned theme park. But Ai, much like Jia in Tale of the Nine-Tailed, raised herself and her sister. She does her own taxes and pays the rent, so I guess Ai does what Ai wants. And I went with it, you know, only because of that premise. Like, there's nobody to stop her. And then also Ji Chang Wook. But, like, no, it's bananas. Like, it's dangerous. I think he spiked her drink. Like, I, yeah, I trust nothing about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a K-drama, sure. But in real life, this was absolutely insane. An underage girl traveling to visit an odd man in a derelict building at all hours of the day and night. Then she found out about his past where he was arrested. He was in a hospital. And instead of being concerned about him, she was just like, OK, sure. Like, I'll trust him because he like shoot, showed me magic. And stuff. And you know what? This this made me think. Like, if you compare it to, say, Peter Pan. Peter Pan kind of had a very similar premise in, like, do you, do you believe in magic? And Peter really wanted Wendy to believe in him. But in the end, Wendy taught Peter something. Right. Like, you know, there was, a, there was a growth there with, with Peter that we, we identified with. And so I feel like that was what I was missing here. Like... There was no growth for him. It was just him there trying to tell this young girl to, to believe in magic. And I was just like, is this a metaphor for drugs? Like, is this is this heroin that we are talking about? You know what I mean? Like, is what is happening here? And, and when we you know? see him kind of like losing it when people don't believe that he's a real magician, right? Mm. Like, like, like Hannah has choke bruises on her neck. <laughs> we'll get and there. We'll get her. there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> oh, I can't. Yeah. I can't. But like, yeah, like, so like... He, you're right. He does not grow at all. He is static the whole way through. And I mean, like, okay, so we have a damaged person, obviously the magician, who meets another damaged person, which is um, Augie, who has been, you know, abandoned by both her parents and stuck holding, like, the shit card of apparently the world's least sympathetic landlord, who's like, <laughs> pay the rent, ho-bag, 16-year-old who's been left alone, <laughs> and raising her baby sister, who's like, it's fine, I like to not eat, I'm good. I had <laughs> rice so, for lunch. Yes, I'm full, I just eat all my meal, like, when you're not looking, basically. So, I mean, like, look, her life is bad, his life is bad. Coming together, what does he offer her? Not much. I mean, like, I feel like what she needed was, I mean, I'm assuming that what the premise was trying to say was her life was dark and ugly, and he brought in beauty and hope and opportunity. And I feel as if it was a shallow promise that was going to give her nothing, really. Because at the end of the day, like, that 
that connection really did not do anything to advance her. And so when we talk about the lack of growth for him, there's the complete lack of growth for her because at the end we see that like what she's then decided to go to college, which I think she probably would have worked out on her own anyway. That wasn't like, and like that wasn't like magical. <laughs> that was just like practical. And then she like, yeah, has like a side hustle at restaurants doing some magic, which like, I guess, yay fun. But I just feel like, you know, she was in like survival mode with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and he gave her some beauty and some hope and some like dreams. Yet I don't know if like it just didn't feel like that was like a vehicle that felt like it was ever really like explored in a way that felt like connective and real too. I felt like he always kept her at a distance. He was always kind of just like enigmatic. And like, what did he do? He like blew some bubbles and they had a fever dream where they rode the horses and he would, she would write letters and they would like magically disappear. And it was all kind of like fake. So I don't know. And at the end when we realized that like the magic isn't really like real magic and we're not doing some sort of like magical realism, we're just doing like this guy's like literal magic. I think that kind of left a bit of a sour taste for me too, is that I kind of thought we were going to go on some like real magical realism and instead it wasn't at all. Is is this what you're trying to say? Is like the magic was never really a vehicle for her to get anything done. Like magic isn't what she needed. And I don't, you know what I mean? I mean, I think like, it's not like she, like what did the magic actually do for her in the end? Like she still, she still had to work multiple jobs. She she still had to take care of her sister. It's not like her dad. Ma- yeah, I guess what came it, back. to me, if I think what it was trying to say is it made life worth living, but I never okay. got that. Like, yeah. I have to like draw that out myself and be like, I guess that's what it gave her. It was like a reason to get out of bed in the morning when everything sucked so freaking hard. But like, yeah. I don't know if I really felt like the show set me up for that. I'm just making the assumption that's what it wanted me to feel because it didn't do that job to me and i'm not even sure it really relayed on magic because it was more about he was like trust me he wasn't like trust the magic it was like he's like trust me so i'm like are you gonna like jim jones this high school like it was just he was trying i felt like he was like collecting high schoolers it was just you know what i'm saying maybe if he was like believe in the magic and you will get far in life instead he's like i need you to believe in me yeah i was like yeah what yeah where why should she believe in you fully So the only time that I saw the magic used to sort of further her belief in herself was when he took, which again, like, did this even happen? But when he took her back to see her younger self, because she's like, who is going to help me? Who is going to, you know, who is going to get me out of this mess? Like, who is here for me? And he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to show you the one person who can help you get what you need. And he showed her herself. And I thought mm-hmm. that that was pretty poignant. That's okay, actually pretty okay, cool. Okay, You're right. Okay. And that, I that was that. the one. But again. You're right. But again, we go. But if we go back to the whole idea of magic, that didn't really happen. So what mm-hmm. did he do? Just like stand her in front of a mirror, you know, kind of thing. Because I, I don't. Gave yeah. her some mushrooms. Right. Exactly. Some mushroom tea and then stand her in front of a mirror and, you know, a little bit of microdosing there. But like I did, so I did like that. Like that part stuck out to me that he's like, right. here's the person who can help you. Like stop looking for outside help. Like you have, you know, it's, I mean, like, like, you know, Dorothy clicking her heels together. Like you've always had the power to go home. You know, she, right. she's her own vehicle to getting out of the shit situation. Okay, look, I'll in. give you, I'm going to give you that. I think you made Thank you, you. the dots. Yep. Thank yeah, you. I actually do agree with that. I I wish I don't know about the carried... horses. <laughs> yeah, and I would say I wish they'd been carried out to the end again. I don't understand or why the, the letters, the magical letters. 
I don't know why the end hinged on her believing in him. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I think, is what bothered me in the end. Like, why wasn't he like, you need to believe in magic? He was like, no, I need you to believe in me. I was like, why are we yeah, doing this about like, I you? think I would have liked that so much if at the end the magic, like, surely was, like, falling down around him. Everything's ending. The house of cards is ending. And, you know, he's like, look, it's not me. It's magic. You know? Right. Yeah. And the if magic you believe in the magic, be that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not what happened. No, it's not at all what happened. <laughs> it was, yes, cult leader, I believe in yeah. you and let me help you escape the law. Yeah. <laughs> right? Let me help you run from the police. After choking this bitchy girl in my grave. <laughs> so, not Il Dung, played by Wong Hin Yup, is a high school student under immense pressure from his parents to achieve perfect grades and has arguably one of the most definable arcs of the drama. Mm -hmm. The only arc. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. So what are your thoughts on his decision to veer off the, quote, asphalt path set for him and venture onto the bumpy dirt road surrounded by flowers? So that was another one. This is a metaphor. Yeah, I was going to say, but I thought that was another one, you know, even if it was just a dream. Like, I thought that was another one that was done really well. Um, for him, like, it, but it had nothing to do with with Riol. It had nothing to do with magic. I think the purpose of his character, what I liked about it, um, aside from him having a full arc, is that he's going to be able to do what Minhyuk Minhyuk couldn't, which is choose his own path, right? Like Minhyuk tried, but again, he's this sad, lonely, you know, partially brain damaged man living alone, you know, under a stage. But the pressure is what broke our poor infantile magician. And we saw the same happening to Ildung with him paying Ai to fail and his breakdown in the hallway where, you know, where he throws the chair at the window. So he wants to escape the cage that he's in. And so I will I will give this drama props for that metaphor, um, even if, you know, sort of the rest of the story was, you know, kind of kind of lost its grip. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this metaphor. I will say, though, that there was like a definite privilege in it. So Ildung had, you know, very rich parents. And his dad basically was like, look, I already have the path paid for you. Oh, you got, you're going to follow in my footsteps. You're going to do what I did. I got it for you. And I think, you know, it's important to note that there's there's a privilege in the fact that he had an asphalt path to begin with. You know, maybe there's a lot of people that are they start on that bumpy road and they're going to be on bumpy road for the rest of their life. Kind of like Ayi, to be honest. And I guess I just didn't really understand his choice. Again, I wish it wasn't like kind of all wrapped up in like being a magician. Like I, I almost wish Ildung had like a like his own dream. Like maybe he really wanted to be an artist. Maybe he really wanted to, I don't know, be a carpenter. I don't know. I wish he had like a dream that was separate from magic, but still like a reasonable <laughs> dream. Be, but they never, they never explain that. Like, I'm still not even sure, like, what he was doing. Is he really going to, like, go off and be a magician? And, like, are you going to be Chris Angel or David Blaine? Like, there's really, like, two magicians in the world who, like, actually make money. So I'm just very confused about that. I wish he had a dream separate from magic that was clearly defined. Like, maybe he was always in his room, you know, whittling wooden figures. And that's what he wanted to do for his life. And I would have been like, yeah, man, whittle your shit. Like, great. You know? <laughs> whittle your shit. Whittle, whittle your shit. <laughs> that's, the, that's the purpose of this drama, that everybody will whittle their shit. <laughs> Does he want to be Chris Angel? <laughs> Go to well, Vegas. You know what I mean? Does he want to be like, on the what? strip? Yeah, I don't... So, <laughs> first, this 
kid is way below my floor. But like he was a cutie. So I was oh, adorable. Yeah, so cute. No, no, he's like he's like thirty. What? No. Yes. I looked him up. Hang on. No. Look well, hang up. on. Sound of magic. Because she is twenty. Oh my god, she's thirty one? She's twenty five. She's twenty five. He's yeah, see? He's thirty one. He thirty one. How? Wait, he he's 16. like four years younger than GJ Wook? <laughs> yes. Well, damn, then. That's baffling. Yeah, I hit it. <laughs> He's above your floor. He's way above my floor. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes, I thought he did have a good arc in that, you know, obviously he was like the representation of, you know, all the things that were difficult and troubling for somebody who has it all, has the privilege, and then like that asphalt road of like nothingness leads out before him and I think it's something that like most younger people grapple with because they're faced with usually unless you know they're uh with parents that have abandoned them (laughs) like there's a certain amount of expectation that you know young people face and they're trying to make these decisions and the parents think they know what's best for them and the kids have their own hopes and dreams and this is a tale as old as time so that all works out really well we understand like what that archetype looks like And I think like that those dots all connected. I do just want to give like a non sequitur shout out to his silent study room that was in his silent room overall. What was that? Right? (laughs) Just really he could real focus in the silent study room. I was like, I kind of want my own silent room, my own silent room within a room. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I think that in the end, what we get is a huge disservice from him of not seeing what happens to him. And what choices he made and where he found fulfillment ultimately that set him up for success and for self-actualization. So I think that that was a big mistake because we didn't close out his arc. And I guess it could be left into that realm of what's possible and he sets off and like we're just going to hope the magic took him where it needed to go. But I thought it just made everything feel a little bit cheap and left me feeling again like things weren't emotionally connected in a way that I felt like I felt good about when I finished and helped me get to where I am now, which is just like, fuck the sound of music or magic, not the sound of music. I like the sound of music. (laughs) (laughs) I was truly unsure where this drama was going in like the short six episodes. So did you find it as unpredictable as I did? Amy wants to brag. I do. I do. Like I, (laughs) I am that person who, I have to, if I have a prediction, I have to say it to one of you guys so that you know that I said it so that if I'm right, I get credit for it. Mm-hmm. And it was the episode where, and I don't know if it was like episode two or three, where we see young Ai standing, you know, at the still open amusement park, watching the merry-go-round, waiting for her mom to come back, who's not coming back because she's the worst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another terrible K-drama right? parent. And um, so waiting for her mom to come back and all we see is like these feet approaching and they're just, you know, they're wearing bare feet, wearing a pair of slides and then the pants hanging over the feet, which look very much like hospital pants. And so I hop into Slack. Leah hadn't watched yet, so I hop into Slack and I was just private messaging Megan. I said, okay, I just have to say this out loud because if I'm right, I want you to know that I'm right. I said, so I think our magician is an escape mental patient. And... I was right. She was right. But I was I'm also like disappointed that I was right because I wanted I wanted more that like that I felt like that kind of like everything just kind of got cheapened because like you know like Leah brought up in the beginning it was like this glorification of attempted suicide, you know, type thing and that's how he found 
his bliss, which isn't even really his bliss because he's cut off from society. But I got it. So that's all I'm really here to say is I called it. I was right. I didn't know anything else that was going to happen. Everything else was like totally bonkers. Bananas. Yeah, I mean, I don't wish like mental illness on anyone, no. obviously. But I almost wish it was like some sort of like undiagnosed like bipolar. Like there was like some reason that wasn't, oh, he jumped off a building. Right. I'm, yeah, like, I didn't want to. Brain yeah. damage. I'm not saying you know that. I'm saying like. Yeah, I don't want to sound like. I'm not saying that the mental illness part cheapens it. I think that it was kind of a cop out to make it. Right. He's he's a teen who tried to commit suicide kind of thing, which is a very, which is a very important issue to discuss. But instead, that issue does not get discussed like it should. Instead, it's like he jumped off a building. Luckily for him, he lived and got to go be a magician and live under a stage. Yeah, like he did this and now he's able to do what he wants. And he and didn't like, get the help. He never know. got the help. Right. He never got the help. Yeah. That he needed. Like his, his family's his still man there. Needs help. His family's still around. Like it's mentioned at the end, like your family will yeah. pay your legal fees. It's like, oh my gosh, your parents are still around. Like go home, dude. Yeah, and why, again, why aren't your parents calling someone? Like, this is crazy. Right. Your son is living in an abandoned amusement park and luring high school students and choking them. What? <laughs> Do you know what your son is doing? <laughs> so this question is, probably has tons of answers. But So plot points you felt were left unfinished or questions that were left unanswered. So I, 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 start, I start my reply on our script in all caps. Was it magic? Was it hallucination? Imagination? Someone please explain the flying horses. Also, every mistaken instance of Riol or Minhyuk being violent was explained away, except for him choking Hana. Like, we all saw that, right? Like, I wasn't drinking the mushroom tea. Like, I saw him choke Hana. You saw him choke Hana. Hana had bruises on her neck. She showed them to Ildung. Like, how do we side with him after he does that? And he would, like, that tied my brain in knots because had... The dying parrot not made a sound in her knocked-over cage. He would have killed Hana. Like, he would have been the guy that everybody thought that he was. So I just, yeah, I don't, I will, I will, I will, like, beat that dead horse. horse. Well, Hana almost killed his bird. Hana did almost kill his bird. (laughs) I'm kidding. Yeah. I was like, on accident, she knocked over the cage. I mean, she was a bitch, but she didn't deserve to be a dead She didn't deserve that. Right. And and the thing is, it just it, all that did was show he clearly has like impulse control problems. Like, again, the man does not is not the lights are not all on upstairs and no one is helping him. Right. No one. Oh, it's so frustrating. I know. Like, I just don't see a triumph of a person who was actively driven to a suicide attempt being allowed to live this like fantastical life of like grandiosity and <laughs> You know, whatever. It just, yeah, it was not a triumph to me. It was sad. Really, it's just him sort of leeching onto Ayi because she was the one person who, like, acknowledged his cry for help, right? Like, she put the Band-Aid on his cast or whatever. And, like, I feel like he'd been kind of, like, stalking her since then. How many invitations had Batman sent? (laughs) (laughs) And she... Finally came. He's like, we have somebody please come and hang out with me. Okay, so 
Here's other questions I have. One is, so the father was objectively just like a bad dad as he identifies himself as he laugh cries in the phone booth having stolen all of the family's money and left them destitute. And then at the end, it's just all good. He's like got his shit together off camera and like works in the countryside and like, you know, happy, happy. So I was just like, hmm, we didn't totally connect any dots. We just had a shit dad stealing money from his kid who was destitute and saying, thank God you've come home. Please help me. God, help me. Anyone help me. I am a child bearing the burdens that are far beyond my capacity. And the dad's like, nope. And I'm going to make it worse. And then at the end, we're like, but it's okay now. Like, it's okay now. It's good. Yeah, she's just like, I forgive you, dad. Oh, look, my dad's calling. Hi, daddy. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. So that one, we've got the mom who ran off with the other man. And I don't know. Okay. <laughs> just terrible mom. <laughs> we've got the um, mailbox that, like, gets letters and, like, does someone just come take them? Probably, I guess, because we know the magic isn't really real, even though we think it's real. What about Ildung's pen? The pen that mm. jumps hands. He's taking his test and he's like, boop, and it floats to his other hand. What that was, was his that? magic. Maybe that was just one. Maybe that was his magic trick. I feel like that's a magic trick. Isn't it? That's like a sleight of hand magic And it could trick. have been his, like, him maybe, like, grand, like, making it better in his mind. Because, like, there is a lot of unreliable narrator, narration true, happening. True, 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 true. Yeah, I feel like we, when we were talking about this in Slack, we found a lot of metaphors between drugs and magic. And, like, I still you know, have some issues with, with that. Like, I just really am like, was it magic or drugs? He gave her like, a drink. I, she was drinking something warm. It was coffee or cocoa or tea or something. It was drugs. It was, that's it was what I'm saying. It was drugs. And I would have liked to, I mean, <laughs> even at the end, like, I really, like, I guess I'm just like a bitch because what I would have liked to have had happen is as like the illusion of the magic was all ending and it was all like kind of falling apart before there was like that kernel of hope of like what magic could be. I wish there was, like, I really do. I wish there was a flashback to the two of them on the carousel just pretending to be <laughs> riding the <laughs> Like, like sitting on the carousel just going, wee <laughs> And they're both like, ha, 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 ha. You know, just so we could see, like, the sadness and then being like, but there is a beauty in the sadness. And there's, like, no music. It's just the squeak. The squeaking. <laughs> And the rats. <laughs> <laughs> and we see that Ji Chang Wook doesn't even like really look like that. Like he's got like missing teeth and <laughs> Because when does he go to the dentist, right? He doesn't have ins- he doesn't have health insurance. <laughs> he's like just this snarl toothed like thirty year old who looks who looks like he's seventy five. <laughs> Okay, and here's the last unexplained thing. Why did the direct... Okay, so at the end, they decide to do, like, the musical production that was like, look, here's everyone, and it's like a musical theater, and we're all, like, taking our bows, including, like, the girl who was, like, assaulted and murdered, and her murderer just, woo, dancing. With his handcuffs. I mean, I guess in a Broadway show that would happen. But this felt weird. It just, there was just, just the, to- the, sh- the tone of it. And it's like it's like the parents were like dancing with Ildung. And I'm like, but your parents were like 
the whole thing was just weird. It was weird, and I guess it was meant to just be like, "Yay, this is all just a big musical." What like fun for the we fans, had. it was for the it was for the fans. Yeah, but at that point, I was just like, I, I had actually turned it off because the minute the credits hit, I was like, "Fucking done." And then you guys mentioned the the ending number, and I was like, "Unfortunately, I have not seen that." <laughs> I went back and watched it, and then I liked it even less. Yeah, so if you haven't watched it yet, or maybe you didn't, you missed this. So you have to fast forward through the first credits. There's like a first round of credits and you got to fast forward. And there's like this, like, yeah, it's almost like at the end of a Broadway musical where there's a song and they come out one by one and they like kind of bow to the crowd. And the crowd's just freaking out. Like, oh my God, this is the, like grabbing their hair with excitement. <laughs> like there is the man who's sexually assaulted two girls. Yeah, and they're like, Woo! Oh my God, look, there's the like, guy who needs to be in adult services <laughs> yes i don't know and i mean like here's the question that megan posed to me that is a question without answer what made ji chang wook think yes i want to add this to like my <laughs> my resume basically yeah i i need to know I need, I really need to. I mean, I think clearly he's breaking out from being, like, a rom-com or action romance person, and he wants to be seen with, like, greater range and depth, and I can see him going more of, like, a gong-yu or getting more, like, I'm going to pick some eccentric roles or whatever. But this was not the direction. I'm sorry, buddy. I Like, you know I love you. I'm a huge Ji Chang-wook fan, but, like... I don't know, do some, like, artsy films It just or didn't something. have a character. He just does such great character nuance and there was i just i didn't feel like it was here for this here here is what here's something that i will say because this is something that is you know a little bit more prevalent i think in western media is turning the musical into film like right we've got like more like broadway musicals that are being turned into screen productions um like one of them one recent one was just uh tick tick boom by jonathan larson who did rent and andrew garfield played the role and it was awesome. Um, but it was a musical, right? Like the story was a musical. Like this was too many things, I think, wrapped into one. I like the idea of bringing maybe the musical genre into K-drama, but it has to it has to be the right tone and the musical has to be integral to the story, right? And like you said, Megan, like the the songs did show some growth, but like there was no like breakout song. Like I can't, I can't even... I mean, of course, I don't know the words because it's another language, but like there's a tune that's like stuck in my head, like an earworm or anything like that. I see them galloping on the horses through the sky, but I don't know what song is playing, you know, when, when they're doing it. And so I am not at all like, you know, like I see this as being like, okay, so we've got, you know, like uh, Hugh Jackman who can do everything from, you know, a Broadway musical to, uh, you know, a Marvel movie and stuff like that and everything in between. And I, I want that for Ji Chang Wook. I really do. But I want I want the project to fit to to fit that that goal as well. And I think we just had too much trying to happen in this one to make it all gel together. Yeah. Okay, so we did mention that the flying horses reminded us of Anchorman. And what's funny is they sing us while that happens. So they're like, it's just this like crazy weird scene where they're like flying horses in the sky and like through the moon. And they sing a song called Afternoon Delight. And that is obviously like our name is Afternoon Delight. Yes. I don't know. I just want to make the connection there. I don't know. Segway. Um, <laughs> so final thoughts. 
Uh, we know who liked it and who didn't, so maybe we don't need to say that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, would you would you recommend? So, I mean, I did find it compelling to watch. Like, I, I was not bored watching it. I wanted to know what was happening. I, you know, I binged it in two days. I think, you know, I think we all did. But it's hard to say, you know, once you get to the end of it and you're left with all of this, well, why did they do this? And why did they do this? And why did they do this? You know, kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't know whether to recommend it or not. I don't feel like I gave up, you know, hours of my life that I need to get back by watching it. Like, I feel like I I got something out of it, if only it was to have like a critical discussion about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's who this was actually a really fun discussion, because I did think we really got into like the meat of why we didn't like it rather than just being like, I don't like it. Like, I really think we had, like, good discussion on what actually our Right, because there were things were that it. I did like Yeah, I mean, I would say it was so pretty. Yeah. Like, it was very pretty. It was, you know, it was kind of cool to see this, like, really derelict amusement park. And then when Ji Chang-wook was like, I'm going to turn all the lights on. It's, like, visually beautiful. I think it was just, again, it wasn't the storyline that I liked. It wasn't a premise that I liked. And I don't really think it's for even teenagers <laughs> just you know what i mean i didn't i didn't think it's a good message i i thought ji chang wook was like really hot for like the first three episodes but then as soon as the plot twisted his character then i was sort of like feeling creepy about it so i don't know i mean i will say it's not like anything i've seen before and so i feel like if you go into it not expecting to maybe like super connect with the actual story and just kind of like go along for the musical numbers and like the magic and the prettiness of it, then I think you'd enjoy it. I, you know, if that sounds up your alley. I guess I needed something that felt like, I felt like I wanted something that connected the dots more. And it's not that I need to have all my stories tied up in a perfect little bow with every arc just neatly done. But in this case, like, you know, we're kind of expected to go along for this fantastical ride. And then in the end where I saw the ride had taken me, I just, I was just really underwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. I was left on that rusty merry-go-round. And I mean, like, I guess part of it is that I... You know, we've all been younger people trying to, like, figure out our path. Um, We've been older people trying to figure out our path. Like, I'm still doing it. Yeah. And I mean, as I mean, I think it's a lifelong journey, obviously. And that would have been fun to touch on, too. I think I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of that. But I mean, I understand that this was very, like, much like trying to say something about, like, the youth of today and, like, what, you know, what we're giving them and what opportunities they have. And so then I go back to being like, okay, well, then in my like day job, I work in, you know, career exploration at a higher education institute. And, you know, I do, I want people to think critically about what is their why, understanding that there is, you know, like a lot of people who don't have the privilege to just do anything that feels good to them. And they may have to take some practicalities into consideration And, but at the same time, like, you know, I think it is important to have a sense of magic and wonder about the world and to think that impossible things can be possible. And so it's not that I reject the premise at all. Like, I think the premise is powerful and I actually like fundamentally believe in it. I just don't like how it was executed here and it didn't sell that story to me. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm too old because all I could think about was, oh my God, when I was like 16 or 17, if some like man 
essentially like groomed me and made me like go off to some like weird journey away from my parents <laughs> like that's terrifying like that's all i could think about was i was like oh my god like is this the right decision this kid is young and he's like making these you know pretty hefty decisions based on this like man living in an amusement uh, abandoned amusement park who i right who I, I still old? who i still think looks like mother gothel when they cut off rapunzel's hair and she just shrivels <laughs> <laughs> like that's what he that's what he really looks like in real life like yeah yeah i mean like right like it doesn't it doesn't mesh like what he his journey does not mesh with like being being the catalyst for their journeys you know i think that was it i think i think that was it because I, I mean i'm the same as leah like i do i do think there you should find magic in the world but this was just not how i wanted to see that story told i think so, I mean, I think we're, we're pretty much all very close to the same page. So, you know, I am sorry if you absolutely love this drama and we just, like, crushed your, your magic. Yeah, and I don't want to. I mean, like, if you no, found the yeah. magic and I, you connected the dots. I hope you liked like, it. That's great. It just like it didn't I said, work there for were, me. There were a couple things that stuck the landing for me in this. Like, you know, yeah. there, there were. But on the whole, it didn't. All right. Well, let's uh, jump on our flying horses and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Skyrockets in flight. <laughs> or would we do want to talk about what we're watching first? I am watching My Mister, that happy, happy tale. And I'm also watching <laughs> what I do want to talk about really quickly, though, because I am so excited to do My Mister. Um, but I have also jumped on the Kin Porsche bandwagon, and I love it. Boy Love, Out of Thailand, Bodyguard Trope. It is just like Chef's Kiss, Tropealicious romance got some problematic elements it's a wild ride i still like it yeah i am watching i'm back on military prosecutor doberman and i'm like all in now until the end i have like maybe four or five more episodes to watch on bohyun is just so freaking hot in this role like i i, I want to know this is this is related this is my issue on bohyun is just choosing roles in my opinion, that suit him so well. And the, so when Ji Chang Wook doesn't do that, it just like further depresses me. But this role is just so good for An Bo Hyun. I wouldn't say that this is going to be like my top drama or anything, but I'm thoroughly entertained. I would say it is a literal direct comp for Lawless Lawyer. If you liked Lawless Lawyer, I think you would like Military Prosecutor Doberman. It's just more military than gangster. And once I'm done, I'm delving into Kin Porsche. I cannot wait. And I am um, watching my mister because we're going to do that for the pod. So I'm I'm watching just that right now. Um, I paused tomorrow because I, I don't have the time to to double fist right now. But uh, as soon as I'm done with my mister, I'm going to go back to tomorrow and uh, finish up with that because I was really enjoying that too. Yeah, I want to watch that too. Yeah. Okay. Well, today was a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I do think it makes me interested. Like, when I find one that I really like, and when I find one that I don't like, I am interested in the webtoon. And that's why I I might still go back and finish reading it, because it's not long, and and see how close it really was, because I'm curious if it wrapped things up any neater, you know, if there's anything that we missed Mm -hmm. or, or what. All right. 
Well, I think that sums it up for us. So, yeah, we're going to butterfly flit out of here. (laughs) Butterfly flutter. Yeah, I think if he hadn't jumped, honestly, if he hadn't jumped, I'd feel different. That's true, too. I think I agree. All right. Well, that's all for tonight. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Annyeong! Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoona Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoona Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!